Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Actually, today it's just Michael and I, which gives us a great opportunity to talk about Gen 2. And if you're kind of curious about what I'm talking about, they've done previous podcasts talking about Generation 1 and Generation 2. Of course, John being Generation 1, starting this business, starting the company, Michael being Gen 2, working in the business and, and being part of that the, the plan for succession. And so we're just going to have a frank conversation about his journey, what that looks like, what that looks f- like for Copper Beach and, and John and Michael. And a lot of it's going to parallel what some of our listeners are going through. So I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of these gentlemen and, and maybe kind of equate some of these things to what's going on in your own business, your own family, your own life, because these guys are just valuable resources. And I think it would behoove you to, to learn some things here and then maybe reach out and talk about, hey, how can we help make sure our multi-generational family business stays intact, has a successful transition uh, to the next generation, and that they're successful beyond what they could even imagine. So with that being said, Michael, I'm so glad to hang out with you today. Yeah, this is great. Thank you for thank you for that very kind introduction, Eric. This, is, uh, this should be fun today. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of start this, what, what I'd really like to know from, from your point of view, I don't think we've really talked about this on the podcast, is you grew up with your dad starting his business. I don't know if he started it yeah. before you were able to really notice that. Maybe I don't know how young you were, but tell me about that. What was it like, you know, growing up with a father that owned his own business versus maybe some of your friends that their fathers worked in other businesses? Sure, that's a good that's a good question. Well, pretty much as long as I can remember, my father's had a his own business one way or the other. I think and I don't know if you've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think right around when I was born, my father before he was in this business, owned a fried chicken restaurant. That was his first one I, of his first forays in, yeah, uh, in he the did business that. world. Yeah, yeah. So, Forgot so that. that I think he owned that for a few years, right when I was born, and then I think my my mom made him put it on a suit again. So <laughs> it didn't last too long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I've pretty much, as long as I can remember, like I said, I've watched him uh, run a business, and so I think my first memory of him in this business was, I, I believe he he had been working in the financial services business with Cigna and their pilot program, which I think we've we've mentioned quite a few mm-hmm. times on the podcast is how he got started in the industry. And he was, I think, one of the new up and comers. He had been in the business for a couple of years and was doing really well. And Cigna as a company wanted to put together a video that they would share with other advisors in the company of one advisor who was maybe at the tail end of his career, and that was in the fall or winter season. And they kind mm-hmm. of did this this four seasons look at each um, advisor. And my father was the spring one because he was young in the business. And I remember them hiring a film crew to come to our house and basically film us, you know, in the house. And I think it was during breakfast time, I remember. I really? had to have been you know, four years old or four or five years <laughs> old, something like that. Wow. So that's one of my earliest memories. So it was sort of 
that was interesting. It's like, what are these people doing? And I'd like to see that breakfast video. Table? Yeah, I don't know where it is. I think we might still have a copy of it someplace. <laughs> yeah, that would be, be interesting to dig up out of the archives. But yeah, I mean, it was always seeing him in a, in a business and you know, even from a young age, I, I, you know, the work ethic that goes into building your own business. And I know Gen 2 children, whether you're in the family business or not, I think would probably attest to that, that the work ethic that you have to have to make a business and grow it and, and the, the risk that you take in, in building all that is readily apparent, even as a, a young child and pretty much firmly ingrained. So you know, I, I remember, you know, him taking odd hours and mm -hmm. traveling because that's what he had to do to be successful and, and grow the business to where we are now. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was always, again, firmly ingrained with me as a youngster, but you know, he always made time to come see my sporting events when he could, you know, he, mm -hmm. he was fortunate that he had that level of flexibility where he would, wouldn't have to travel a lot on weekends when, when he was uh, raising us. So that was always nice. Um, so I feel very fortunate uh, from that standpoint. But yeah, that's, that's kind of my earlier memories. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I know we've, we've talked about it on previous podcasts as well, about your journey into the business. And, and mm -hmm. you didn't go straight into the business like at you know, 18, going in there and, and, and starting to work. I know there was college involved, but there was also other career thoughts involved. Can you share with that with us a little Sure. I, yeah, I did not know really in college that I would go into the family business and it was never, you know, we had obviously had conversations, my, my parents and I about potentially getting into the, into the family business, but there was never any pressure for me to do that. And, mm -hmm. and again, I feel fortunate because I know, unfortunately, some Gen 2 uh, members maybe feel that pressure that they have to get into the family business for one reason or another. I, I never felt that. So I actually in college majored in ecology and natural resource management, which is very different than what I do now. Yeah. But, but that's what I majored in in college. And uh, after college, I uh, worked for a year, for just about a year, at a college at an engineering firm doing um, environmental work for them. And really wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I. I realized I probably didn't want to do that for the rest of my life or really even be in that space anymore. It's sort of one of those things where I enjoyed learning about it uh, academically, but doing mm -hmm. it as a career was maybe a little different. Uh, so I talked with my father and, and some of his colleagues and decided to go to law school, mostly because it was more of a flexible degree that I could use in a lot of different areas if I wanted to be an attorney and you know, do litigation and work in a courtroom, I could certainly use that degree for that, of course. And mm -hmm. if I didn't want to do that and do something else, I could, you know, I have that legal background. So it was more of a, let's see how this goes and, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it works out yeah. for me. But in law school, I, I realized that I did not want to be in the courtroom or do litigation. And I started taking some more courses in the things that I now do a lot in with Copper Beach and, and more of the state planning realms and the tax planning and business succession arenas. And, and obviously I was still in communication with my father and his colleagues. And so I really became intrigued with the planning side of what we do. And so it, it really kind of worked out that I was graduating law school right as Copper Beach, the, the company that we now have was formed. So it really was an interesting mm -hmm. timing of everything. But yeah, I just, I, I decided that with working with my dad might make sense, at least as a trial period. So I went right into that right out of law school. Yeah. 
that, and it, it was a perfect fit, right? I mean, you, you filled a need, but at the same time, I, I've worked for companies that the the owner, one one specifically, there was a, an owner, fantastic gentleman, loved him to death. His wife also worked in the company, didn't love her as much. <laughs> she was a little bit ruthless, <laughs> uh, but they also had their three children work there, and it was a variety of attitudes and abilities. And you knew one was there just because dad told him to be there and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you to be here and and just a really poor attitude. And so they all had to kind of find their way. And I know there's a long story behind that, but for you going in, you filled a need, but you still had to find a role. And I don't know, I'm curious what your thoughts were going in there. You're filling a need, but at the same time, you're also the boss's son. So there can be some kind of preconceived <laughs> ideas or notions from other people. How did that work out for you? Yeah, was, that's kind of an interesting dynamic. That's a really interesting question. For that reason, yes, I am the boss's son. And when I started, I was sort of in an entry-level position, really, mm-hmm. uh, because I, although I had my legal backgrounds and I had my education over those three years, I didn't really have much experience in the financial services world, which is mm-hmm. really more where we spend our time. So it was almost like being in school again. And that, and that dynamic was interesting because I was, again, being that entry-level position, I, I, I really had to sort of find my own role and what responsibilities I was going to take and what attitude I was going to take. Because to your point, Eric, and, and if anybody's listened to our prior podcasts with Jeff Savlov, in particular, he lays a lot of these concerns out, I think, much more eloquently than I do. But there are instances that you alluded to where a second-generation family member is involved in the business and, for one reason or another, shouldn't be there. Maybe they don't have the right attitude to be there or they don't have the aptitude or the skills to be there. And that can be a problem. So I, I had to... I think first off, I, well, I, I, first off, I felt that I had the right skills given my educational background. I knew that I could figure out what it is that we do here at Copper Beach, mm-hmm. but I had to have the right attitude as well. And I didn't want to be viewed as the boss's son who was going to just come in and coast and not have to, you know, develop the the expertise that I'd like to think that I've developed over the last twelve years or so. So yeah, I think it's that's an interesting dynamic for sure because I'm learning from everybody in that office about how, how we do what we do and, you know, but also try to figure out where I'm going to grow into and my leadership role in the future as well. So that's been a a very interesting journey over the last 12 years too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing that I'm curious about, and this is going to get in the weeds a little bit, but speaking from that gen two arena, if you will, I mean, you are the representative here. What are your expectations from your father or for your father? I should say, I actually want to answer to both of those, but for your father as gen one, what are you expecting from him when it comes to helping you get ready for a transition? Because obviously you are the succession plan. You, you have established yourself. You've got an incredible reputation. You do great work. So you've done that, right? We're, we're, we've come from your entry level position to now you're legitimate, right? So what are your expectations from your father? And what do you think your father has expectations of you in this, in this chapter of this, of your life now? I don't have too many expectations for him other than I think he's earned the right to continue to work in the business in whatever capacity he feels comfortable working in. And what's, what's nice about our industry is 
you can really do it as at any age, as long as your, you know, your faculties are there mentally, but mm -hmm. you know, we don't work in a, you know, a labor intensive job where physically you might not be able to maintain working there. So, you know, my, I don't have too many expectations for my, my father in terms of, you know, you know, there's no deadlines on when he needs to retire. I don't think he's ever going to retire. I think he's always going to be here in some capacity. And, and I would welcome that because I think, again, he's earned the right to do that. He's created uh, this this company and and through most of his career and I I my position is that he should be able to continue to work in the business in whatever capacity he feels comfortable working in so that would be my expectations for him I don't know if that was exactly the the answer you were looking for or, or maybe what you were getting at but mm -hmm. I think his expectations for me or or at least what I want to get from him as I grow is is you know how he thinks about the the industry that we're in now i think that's important for for every gen 2 person is you know there's always going to be the 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 part where you know you think you know more than your parent i think that's almost firmly ingrained in yeah. in us as children to some degree you know uh, there's always the snotty teenager in all of us maybe a little <laughs> bit <laughs> so so you know but i've always tried to keep an open mind uh, with him and and with most people that are my elders particularly in this industry is you know there's always something else that you can improve and always something else that i can learn and glean from him and his experience because as we've talked about a lot on the podcast here and particularly about this succession issue in particular us my, my father and i there really is no substitute for experience mm -hmm. and so i have to try to glean as much as i can from his experience and hope that i can apply that in, in you know my own career when when he's you know maybe decides that he wants to really step away whenever that is yeah and and i've got to say that i believe 100 percent that copper beach is kind of an anomaly in the fact that you guys help other family businesses work through these same issues you guys help them you know understand how the importance of preparing Gen 2 to actually be a good succession plan instead of just, you know, throwing it at the wall and seeing what happens. Uh, right. I think too often there are business owners that, I love the way you put it with John, uh, there's too many business owners that say, okay, I've got my child in here and now it's time for me to be able to relax, but they haven't prepared them, right? They haven't prepared them correctly, given them that, uh, you know, the experience. And now they're just like, okay, I built it and I'm just going to give it to them now and I'm done. And maybe they're there a little bit, but not in a capacity to really show true leadership and continue that development process. So I'd like to hear your thoughts with families that you've worked with, businesses that you've worked with, businesses that you're connected with in your community that you've seen this. Transitioning leadership to you solely or a child, any, any child, solely versus maybe establishing leaders that are going to be able to support Gen 2 until they're ready to run the business on their own. Mm -hmm. What have you seen? I think it's a big challenge. And we've talked about that a few times on this podcast. And, and actually, I think, I don't remember the episode, but actually a client that we had uh, on our podcast, Mr. Bob Brown, he had a whole podcast with us on cultivating leadership in a business, not necessarily in a family business context. Mm -hmm. But but that that process, I think, is really, really important in any business context or, or even just a family wealth context standpoint, I think having that next generation of leadership, maybe again, not in a family business, but just 
who who in the next generation is going to help manage this wealth that we've created or this mm-hmm. these, this financial capital that we've created who's going to who's going to step up and really take that role and it's a it's a challenge for families but i think it has to be done because the risks of not doing it i think are too great and again we've talked about this almost ad nauseum on the podcast the statistics around the failures to transfer wealth between generations and really the reasons why that exists, not necessarily because of poor tax planning or poor investment decisions, although those always come into play to some degree, but it's mostly a failure to, to cultivate skills and knowledge and leadership and communicate properly to the next generation. Yeah. That's really the crux of it. So I view the leadership conversation as almost an extension of that. It's, it's, it's a component of that communication that has to be done if families really want to continue to grow and perpetuate the wealth and create that hundred year family that we talk a lot about here on the podcast. So I think it's a big challenge, but I think it's what you have to do. Yeah. So out of curiosity, do you have mentors uh, and, and people that are helping to teach you leadership besides your father? Are there other people, whether it's within Copper Beach or even outside, that you kind of lean on to, to learn more? Uh, I do. I'm a member of a uh, a peer group now in, in Vistage, which many people who are listening might might be familiar with that organization. But I think I've been with them for probably two, almost three years now, I believe. But they've been, I think, very helpful to have an outside perspective on that discussion on leadership, because mm-hmm. it is always nice to have an outside person that that doesn't see me day to day, but understands where I've been and where I'm trying to go and can also help kind of be that kicking the butt, so to speak, and helping me, you know, not to say that my father doesn't help me do that. But as I'm sure you would attest to, Eric, it's sometimes you need both of of those components. So that's who I rely on. And so I have probably, you know, 12 mentors that I can go to, which is nice. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you always have to try to find those outlets to help you and grow. Absolutely. I mean, outside perspective is so important. Obviously, we know that your dad's brilliant, but at the same time, he doesn't have the experience that those 12 other people do, right? Right. So them being able to relay that to you and you being able to pick and choose what you want to take with you as you grow, I think is, is vitally important. I think that too many business owners don't realize that that's important for that second gen because they they just want to I'm going to teach you I'm going to teach you all you need to know to run this business but at the same time they don't recognize their own faults or their the things they lack right so oh, then sure. they just pass the things they lack onto their kids <laughs> so that's a that's a right. huge issue yeah I think that uh, I mean that's a great point because well no, nobody's perfect right mm-hmm. everybody has shortcomings myself included and well you know what's been nice about working with my father is we are in many ways, well, we're very much aligned philosophically, but our our strengths are a little bit different. So we can create that sort of yin and yang, uh, full circle, you know, if you will, because he has skills and talents that I don't have, and vice versa. So that transition is is interesting because I'm I'm trying to focus more on the skills that are valuable that he that he has that I may be lacking in, mm-hmm. and 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 try to cultivate those more. So, but you're right. It is, you can certainly gather data and leadership skills and, and talents from a variety of people because my dad, as good as he is, and I wouldn't go so far as to use the term brilliant, Eric. I mean, I think you're giving him a little too much credit there, but, but, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have all the experience that these other 12 people do. You're right. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping that you can remind me who the guest was, but you had a guest on that they were really talking about when it comes to transitioning a business and, and uh, especially to the next generation, they believed in a very formalized process. And I know that at Cobber Beach, you guys don't necessarily have a formalized process. It's it's just something that you, you're you living life and you're doing mm-hmm. business together. And that's you're on the same page because you're very open at communication with your father. And I know that that's key, but kind of remind me who that guest was and a little bit what you think the differences are between having a formalized process and not. I think you might be referring to probably to Jeff Savlov again as a as a counselor to family businesses and and him helping those businesses put those formal processes together when it fits for the family. And I think to your point, we don't Copper Beach, you know, we don't have a written document necessarily that says for me to achieve certain things in order to get this promotion uh, as an example, Mm -hmm. but maybe perhaps we're a little bit smaller than a, some other businesses that maybe have, you know, a hundred, 150 employees that, you know, those people, those, those internal managers might be up for that promotion as well. And so Mm. you want to be able to tell the second generation, these are the things that we want to see and the skills we want to see you develop before we give you that promotion or that title. So there isn't this sense of entitlement that, that, those children have. So I think it depends a a little bit on the family, but yes, I would, I would go back and listen to some of our podcasts with Jeff Savlov and, and sort of his experiences. If you're a family business and you're listening to this and maybe you feel like you need those, those formal processes in place, he's got some great resources to, to check out. Definitely. Yeah. And if you're second gen listening to this and it's hard to have that conversation with your mom or your dad about the things that you're not receiving or that you feel that there needs to be more of a formalized process because just things haven't gotten done. Everybody's been busy working, not working on the business, but in it again, we will link those, some of those podcasts in the show notes. So you can just click those, listen to them and then share them and maybe start that discussion with your family because it's vitally important and you're going to be a lot happier if you know what's going on and what to expect. Yeah. I mean, it always it sounds so cliche and we've talked about it a bunch, but it all goes back to communication as yeah. well and expectations, because really at the end of the day, when our, our philosophy is it's a family business, but the family part comes first and mm-hmm. you hate to see a family get broken up or torn apart because of poor communication as it relates to to the business itself. It's a dynamic that really has to be carefully managed, but you can hopefully avoid some of these pitfalls and unintended consequences by by talking to each other and not having, you know, in this conversation, Gen 2 having the expectation that they're just going to walk into that family business and take over leadership regardless of what effort they have to put in, right? Mm-hmm. But if, you know, maybe that's needed in in that particular family and it's it's always good for Gen 1 in that case to maybe lay the groundwork there a little bit more. Again, I think at Copper Beach, we necessarily didn't have to be that formalized because maybe it's just our family. We're just close enough where I talk to my dad all the time and, you know, I could figure out what expectations he's going to want from me in order to take that next step. But every family is different. And and again, communication makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the family part again, because my last question really is I want you to help Gen 2 out there that may be in the situation, but you have, if I'm not mistaken, it's two sisters, correct? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have siblings, but you're the only one that works in the business. And I think there are 
a lot of family businesses out there where one child is working in the business and, and maybe there's one or more that aren't. And that can, that can cause some problems uh, between siblings. I know that you guys have, again, it's about communication. You guys have communicated it. John did a great job of setting it up and, and speaking to them directly and saying, hey, do you want to be a part of it or not? And their answers were no. But how do, how do you navigate that when it comes to, you know, you, you spend way more time with your father than your sisters do, I'm assuming, because you work together. How do you navigate those interpersonal relationships and being part of the business but, and, and your sisters not? What's some advice you can give to Gen Two? Hmm. That's that's a good question. I think it, I hate to I hate to punt and say that it depends on the family, but I, I do think that's a a good a good answer only because I think every family is going to be different, and you mm-hmm. do have to look at the family makeup and the family dynamics to see what's going to work for everybody. You know, my sisters and I are are pretty close, so we're pretty open with each other. Where we didn't have as much of a I hate to use the term sibling rivalry or, you know, we get along well is my point. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that makes it a little bit easier to have those conversations, but there are a lot of families where that I don't think happens as much. And so that might necessitate, you know, a different conversation or a different plan, a business succession plan to either equalize value in an estate more, or mm-hmm. maybe it's, you know, transferring ownership in, uh, the business to another sibling just because you want to keep it equalized, uh, but perhaps the the sibling that's working in the business gets additional percentage or controlling interest or additional salary, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, to help fairly compensate him or her for the increased role that they're taking in the company. So if I'm a Gen two person and you know I'm I'm maybe in the business working with parents. Maybe the parent owns 100% of the company and the, the, the thought or the expectation is that that sibling is going to inherit the company when, or buy the company when the parent is ready to exit. I would have those conversations with Gen 1 to make sure that, God forbid, something happened to the parent, that that's not going to create a conflict mm-hmm. with the siblings because there's not that communication going on between all the family members on how that business is going to be transferred. And maybe, you know, again, maybe that's really where Gen 1 has to change their plan up a little bit. And and that's really what Copper Beach sort of helps probe with particularly Gen 1 to kind of be that catalyst for them to help have that conversation because that, again, it's all about the family. So those conversations are important. So if you're Gen 2, I would see if you can be initiating those conversations with a with a gen one parent if you're in a business to make sure that that plan has done or or is if it's been done in the past is revisited yeah yeah and if you're gen two or gen one listening to this and you're unsure or you have some trepidation at starting this conversation or how to start the conversation i'm going to encourage you to reach out to the guys at copper beach because they've done this with families they've done this with family businesses and they they've done it themselves so, Michael, the last, I guess, now this is truly my last question. <laughs> How does somebody get a hold of you if they want to reach out and say, hey, I, I could use some help in this area, or I'm Gen 2 and I have no idea how to talk to my parents about the fact that I want to take over the business or the fact that I want to get out? You know, <laughs> they just want to talk to you. How do they get a hold right. of you? Well, that's an easy one. I can answer that one pretty easily. You can uh, always uh, call us on the phone. Our, our phone number is uh, area code 856 988 8300. Or you can uh, reach us on our website. It's www.cbfgllc.com. 
Michael, thank you so much for spending time with me today. This was great. I like it when John's here, but it was really nice to have him out of the picture today. Yeah, this was fun today. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, and I do want to mention one other thing. If you're listening to this, these guys work nationwide, so it doesn't matter where you're at in the country. Give them a call because they can definitely help you in your situation and, and give you some pointers or point you in the right direction. So again, Michael, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy.